RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. looks like it is time for us to start. I'm so excited. Always look forward to this time together. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. My name is Lindsay Slocum. I'm one of the pastors here at Roswell Presbyterian Church, and I'm sitting with Jeff Myers, our senior pastor, who preached a fantastic sermon yesterday. Um, And we are going to talk more about that sermon. And so as you, if you are listening to this in real time, if you have any questions and you want to um shoot those over maybe to terry or on facebook otherwise um afterwards after we're done talking if you have other questions feel free to send jeff an email and and we can always always good good to continue the conversation and talk about these things that there's always so many questions that come up even after these because these topics are so big and important and yesterday we were talking about forgiveness um and let's but let's I mean, we got to like start with the hardcore questions. I don't know softballs to start with, but seriously, what do you have against Phil Collins? I don't understand your like strong emotion with Phil Collins. Well, Lindsay, um, I, uh, I'm a passionate person and from a very young age, you know, his song, I, I think especially his song in the air tonight, I found to be like the most depressing song I've like, ever heard. <laughs> And like, it put me in a bad mood. It was like so sad and depressing and like, ooh. And then his like song, Susudio, like, like major kind of come up with that. Like, and, <laughs> and like, and like, I like Genesis, but I like Peter Gabriel. I still like Peter Gabriel, but I just have never liked Phil. And I, I just, I, I don't know why, you know, the heart wants and the heart also doesn't want what it doesn't want. You know, it's hard to explain. <laughs> But I just, you know, I just, oh, it's just like, and it's not like the Genesis song, I Can't Dance. Um, oh, golly. He just is like, and, oh, it's just I mean, so depressing. You know, a lot of his music for someone who's not really into him. You, you... Well, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a true hater, you've got to know. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't be an ignorant hater or, uh, or people will see your your, your dislike is uh, unjustified. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we did discuss at 1045 yesterday after you left, we discussed that maybe Phil Collins is a place where you can start practicing some of your forgiveness. <laughs> like you maybe need to let him off the hook. You're carrying a lot of passion. I will well, tell I, you. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say, I, I just want to be one of those people. I don't, I don't want people to think like, I don't have opinions. Like, I don't have like things I dislike that I'm always positive about everything, 
I've had people, and people have been that way about me. I've had people say, I remember this one guy a number of years ago, he goes, Jeff, your preaching really just doesn't do it for me. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> so Phil, I know how you feel, man. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You got plenty well, other fans. I a lot of them have like... emailed me in the last 24 hours. In fact. Good, good. I'm glad people have felt comfortable. And I do feel like so publicly for all the Phil Collins fans out there, I feel like I need to just say out loud, you know, that Phil has won eight Grammy Awards, six Brit Awards, two Golden Globe Awards, an Academy Award and a Disney Legend Award. So he is a very well decorated musician. So we, you know, We'll give credit where credit is due. His style obviously is not a thing that you feel connected to, but he's doing something. He's speaking to somebody out there. So we'll give thanks for that. <laughs> a broken watch is right twice a day. Let's remember that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I, um, so, so yeah, for Phil Collins, got the short of the stick in your sermon, but you did highlight Don Henley, and I actually thought that I, I thought that was really a lovely uh, tribute to Don Henley and how it tied into the scripture. My my dad's a big, he actually loves Phil Collins as well, but big Eagles, and we listened to those songs. And that so as soon as you started talking about, it, I was like, gosh, that really fits in so well. And then when you were telling the story about um, his fiance leaving him, it it really, I thought just it was so powerful and added such a powerful impact to the story and, and a song that I'm sure so many people in the congregation, you know, could relate to and had heard before. I, I did. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I just, well, thanks for saying that. And I, I, that song's always just stuck in my, in my brain every time I hear it. And, and I did like it, you know, you know, Lindsay, I don't, well, you know this, I don't know if people in general know this, but we, I come up with the sermon titles and sermon series, you know, six months to a year before I preach him. And so, you know, I wrote the wisdom of Don Henley. And then like, when I sat down to write the sermon, I was like, what exactly was I thinking about, you know, eight <laughs> months ago when I wrote this? And so I had to last, last week, I had to do a deep dive on the Eagles and all that. And I, I didn't realize this, but they are the number one selling band in the 20th century, more than the Beatles, you know, more than the Rolling Stones, more than U2. I mean, and that's incredible. And so that means a lot of people are familiar with their music. And so I thought like, and it gets played all the time. So like, if we can connect kind of this spiritual principle, this spiritual theme of forgiveness, I hope that when, when they hear the Eagles or Don Henley, it will, or Phil Collins for that matter, that it will trigger like, oh, what was that about forgiveness? Yeah, what is that yeah. about that? Um, that it'll be a practical kind of trigger for folks in a, in a real positive way. Yeah. And I just don't think I'd ever really thought about the power of that phrase when he says forgiveness, forgiveness, even though you don't love me anymore. So there's clearly like, you know, even though you don't really deserve to be forgiven, I understand that this is an important thing I'm called to do, which is very much what uh, we're, we're going to talk about today and what we're getting out of the scripture. Now, I do know I happen to have it on good authority um, that since you were going to be singing in worship yesterday that you did spend some time around the office practicing your singing so that you'd be ready for Sunday. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I, you know, I, that's, uh, you know, I'm a fallible, frail human being like the rest of us, you know, 
I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. No one's asking me to join the choir. You know, our choir, our choir's job, you know, John Perry's job is very safe. You know, he should see no threat. Our choir members should see no threat. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your, your commitment to being prepared. I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I was very sad that I was not one of the people here to hear it, but. Try to sing I, that line. It is not, I mean, he gets up there. Yeah, I definitely am not going to try and sing that line in front of people. So I, I look, hats off. I'm really impressed with you. And as always, as always, you, you brought it, you know, you're committed, you're committed. And I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So, but let's, let's do talk then specifically about forgiveness and kind of this, well, there's a million things I actually I have several questions about it. But the first thing I thought of when you started talking and, and you were kind of making this point that we're called to um, unlimited forgiveness because we've received unlimited forgiveness. Um, there isn't there a scripture in the Bible that tells us that there is an unforgivable sin, that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. So then are we really, do we really, are we really experiencing unlimited forgiveness? Well, I think the unforgivable, I mean, it, there's been a lot of ink spilled over the years about what the unforgivable sin is and the sin against the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, if you can come up with what it is, um, but I'm not sure that we can ever truly commit it. I'm not sure um, if Jesus is saying that that's something we can do uh, in that passage. And I, I'd have to go and return to it. But I think, I, I think God's, uh, God's grace is always is much bigger than human sin. Um, and this comes back to, uh, well, I'm mean, not to get like totally off the beaten path, but if we go, it's called uh, evil as privation or privative view of sin and evil. That when God created the world, everything God created, he called it good. Okay. It's good. So therefore, how, if everything is good, does evil even have any ontology or does it have any being? Does it have any um, thereness? No, a it's a privation on what is good. So it's, a, uh, so, um, so we get the, uh, the word uh, porneo to twist or, or that's where we get the word pornography to twist okay. or distort. Porneo is a twisting of what is good. So you have something that's good, that's broken, that's cracked. And so uh, evil is um, a Bart, uh, Karl Barth uses the word surd, where we get absurd. There, it doesn't even have any um, being that it's that it's actually a breaking or a distortion of what is good. Okay, hmm. and so if that's the case, so and then forgiveness plays into that 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 it's you're trying to take what has been broken, and 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 it's being re recreated or resurrected or or healed. Um, the debt is being uh, forgiven. And I think in the New Testament, you know, uh, sin is really seen as debt. Um, and I think that, that you are obligated to God and to one another to certain things. And you, through omission or commission, you either do what is wrong or you don't do or you fail to do what is required, you sin and you fall into debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there, there, mm -hmm. that debt must be forgiven. That debt is forgiven uh, by God in Jesus Christ. And we forgive debts uh, to one another. And that's why I've always preferred, you know, a lot of different churches 
uh, use different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And that's why mm -hmm. I've always preferred what we do here at RPC, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, because I think it's more faithful uh, to the original. And I think it helps us understand um, uh, sin as debt, uh, that mm -hmm. we are obligated not to do and to do certain things uh, to other people. It was super fascinating. I never ever thought about it that way. I, I, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for walking through that. I appreciate that. And I think it's really helpful. I guess I was just going to say, you know, scripture is really clear that anytime we have a contrite heart or anytime we're, um, asking for forgiveness, that God is willing to forgive us. So we don't, I don't think we have to be scared or, or whatever by this idea that there's some sort of unforgivable sin because that, it, you know, because God, but I, I I appreciate kind of that approach that you're taking. And I'm going to think on these things, this idea yeah. of and that, having being, yeah. And that's part of the thing, like about the unforgivable sin, um, not to go too far down that road, but like, I remember as a kid, like, oh my gosh, am I going to, the fear, oh, I'm going to commit the unforgivable mm -hmm. sin. And it's like, once you start thinking about it and you read about it and you think, look at it in the context of the entirety of scripture and kind of see its place, it, it should not be at the center of the Christian life, or you're thinking about your relationship with God or the world. It's a more of a marginal um, place. It's not central. It's not a central idea to scripture, I think. And so I think right. it, it can be, um, for those of us that can get obsessed on a certain passage or question, I think it's good for us to let go of it. And kind yeah. of, uh, if Jesus wanted us to know what the unpardonable or unforgivable sin was, he would have been more explicit about it. I yeah, think. yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. And and to that exact point, what Jesus was explicit about was about the grace and love and forgiveness of God. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about that then. You opened the sermon asking the question if there was a limit to forgiveness. And then you really kind of spent the whole sermon basically building up to where you finished the sermon with that no that it is there's unlimited forgiveness we're called to unlimited forgiveness we've experienced it and we are called to it and I guess I just want to um kind of lean in on that question just a little bit that is there anything that's unforgivable like when we think about our lives and we and you know I always am kind of kind of coming back to when we look at people who are in vulnerable positions that people of power have taken advantage of them people you even gave the example of this man whose whose life has been completely torn apart by things that were beyond his control and and somebody had just done really really hurtful things to him that that uh, to, to a sense ruined his life and and so is there is there a limit is there something that is unforgivable or are we constantly being called to just let go of all of the, the terrible things that people do or say to us okay great question and i've gotten several emails about this so I, I want to clarify a little bit about <laughs> what I mean when we're talking about forgiveness. Okay. We're not sentimental about forgiveness. Okay. That, that it's just like, Oh, everything is roses and flowers and you know, <laughs> everything's fine. No forgiveness is calling. If somebody wronged you, forgiveness is naming it as, as wrong. Mm. Okay. It's looking and saying that is wrong. But in terms of, my resent the way I feel, the way I'm going to choose to respond to it is letting go of resentment, anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. But that does not mean that you don't hold somebody to account for the wrong they've done. Whether that's, um, you know, uh, you know, like your child, you know, don't run out into the street 
And then your kid runs out into the street and you say, I, and then they say, I'm sorry. You say, well, okay, but you're going to have to go stand in the corner or, you know, we're, we've got to, what you did, I forgive you, but what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And we've mm-hmm. got to prevent that. So, so I, and I think this passage is, is talking about um, how we feel about when we're wrong. And then if we live in that resentment and that unforgiveness, it hurts us. Okay. So on an early version um, of the sermon, I, you know, I realized there were too many rock and roll uh, <laughs> uh, references, but REM, you know, the f- famous mm-hmm. Athens band has this great song. And it's, a, I didn't realize it's a Southern saying, uh, living well is the best revenge. Okay. Mm. This idea that if you live well, you know, because to get caught up in revenge and be angry, and f- you can't change what has happened. And, and how you feel about it is only going to hurt you. It rarely hurts the other person. But that doesn't mean that you, in the midst of change, sometimes that could mean, um, let's say, uh, okay, so I talked about the girls in high school, you know, that, uh, you know, I left uh, school for. Well, I'm not friends with any of those girls, you know, and I'm, I, I have zero desire to like call them up, go get coffee, catch up, you know, but I've also also i've let go of that resentment i had the bitterness um and whatnot so is that helpful yeah 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 i yeah i i just i just think it's i think that's important for people to kind of hear and think about that um we're not called to you know in the extreme examples right that if someone's abusing you or whatever that the while forgiveness may be something you're called to going back into an abusive situation is not something we're ever called to. Um, and so I think, you know, just kind of thinking through those particular things and what does forgiveness actually mean? It doesn't mean that you're continually putting yourself in a toxic or harmful place, but, right. um, yeah. And I want to be really clear. Cause I mean, you think about like 30, 30, 40% of folks have experienced sexual abuse. Okay. Mm. Horrendous violence, um, that has been done to them. Right. Um, through no fault of their own. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, it's been done. Okay. But if, if you need to be separated from your abuser, right. Mm-hmm. You know, most times that is, a, a, but also probably need to go to therapy to help work through those emotions and those feelings so that you feel appropriately. And so that this violence and this injustice that's been done to you doesn't control you and doesn't mm-hmm ruin you and we talked about marvin yesterday and you know that kind of kind of a horrifying event you know and i when i did it with the preaching team they're like are you sure you should say that i'm like well this happened and i met this guy and it ruined his life yeah and and if we talk about that forgiveness is just you know oh uh somebody cut me off in traffic and i gotta forgive that person or you know somebody gossiped about me or whatever but no this this really impacts people. And oftentimes we're afraid to talk about it in church because it's a little bit um, uh, uncouth, you know, or, um, you know, and so I want to be very serious about it and not, I'm not doing it for entertainment value, but in a way that I've really seen it impact people's lives. And hopefully for those that maybe are experiencing unforgiveness, it wakes them up before mm-hmm. um, they get trapped by it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Although I feel bad for all the parents that had to, uh, 
go explain to their kids what STDs were. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So many important things had to be explained after your sermon. Who's <laughs> Phil Collins? What's an STD? A lot of educational things came out of that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so several questions about uh, what you what you just said. So I'm kind of bouncing around several places, but you talked a lot yesterday about um, that, that forgiving. There's so much about forgiving someone else that is actually to benefit our own selves, right? That it, that um, there was the quote about living with resentment as a way to keep our wounds green or something yeah, like that. Francis, yeah, Francis yes, quote, yeah, yes, which was a super powerful image, and um, and even uh, even with the reference to C.S. Lewis, you said those who are in hell are there because they choose it, and 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 so this the emphasis that you kept talking about kind of letting go so that you're not living with that anymore, that it's a, it's something we do for ourselves. And so I guess I, I just was wondering, does that mean that forgiveness is inherently for our own selves or is it for the, our, the other person? Well, I, I would say it's for both. Right. And I think yesterday I was emphasizing um, for ourselves, I was kind of focusing in on, you know, that that's for us. Um, but I think, you know, it's good that other people experience forgiveness. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if you wrong me, Lindsay, <laughs> and you come to me and you feel guilty and say, would you please forgive me? And I'm like, yeah, I forgive you. That releases you. And hopefully you experience grace and that, mm-hmm. and that restores our, you know, working relationship, all that. So that's important. But I was yesterday thinking about kind of how what it means how we experience if we experience resentment hate and um unforgiveness how grace and forgiveness um sets us free from being trapped by those mm-hmm. those emotions and so somebody asked me um is forgiveness selfish and i would say selfish but not in the negative sense of selfishness but in the sense of love your neighbor as yourself okay that assumes that you're loving yourself appropriately Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like in, um, well, in like some 12 step programs, it's like, uh, I hate, I hate, I hate myself and I hate other people and I hate the world and I hate God. Sure. And, and that's like a saying that's used. And so I need to learn to love myself appropriately and rightly, not pridefully or over selfishly or narcissistically, but appropriately. So that it helps me understand how to love others. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, Mm -hmm. it's selfish, but not in the sense of like that I'm self-absorbed and I'm just, um, you know, focusing on my own. uh, Yeah. Just for myself. Yeah. Well, and too, as you're talking, it's reminding me. um, uh, (laughs) So one time in college, I was in the dining hall as getting my dinner and this uh, a girl that she was my same year we had some interaction we didn't spend a ton of time together and she came over and she said I just want you to know I forgive you and I was like okay thanks like I, I couldn't I was racking my brain trying to decide what she was forgiving me for because we really wasn't somebody I spent time with and and so I I think in that scenario so I basically just told her thank you so much and we moved along with our lives but in that scenario if to me 
it felt like that that was an example of a time that forgiveness was maybe a little bit selfish because she was like, I'm trying to let go of whatever, but oh. I, I didn't, I didn't get to have the benefit of a conversation so that we could move toward reconciliation for whatever it was that we were, that I, however I had wronged her because I would have loved to have been able to work toward reconciliation. I didn't want to, I don't want to be at odds with this. Yeah. She's a very sweet person. Um, so I guess I, I was just as you're talking, I think that is an example of a time that maybe it was a little bit more like she was kind of concerned about her own self and not necessarily our relationship and, and reconciliation in our relationship either. Yeah, but, that, help, that helps me see what you're saying. So, and I think that almost is like even a little bit of pride, you know, pride mm -hmm. in I've forgiven you, you know, it's like, I didn't realize I need to be forgiven. And that's what I, when I said the kind of a sentimental view of forgiveness that mm -hmm. like, okay. To, I forgive. Well, I got to ask for forgiveness, which means you got to tell me what I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's got to be gone in that situation before you can ever get to the, I forgive you part. And it seems like very um, presumptuous, you know, to, and I don't know what it was, but maybe you didn't mean it. <laughs> maybe she misunderstood. Well, yeah. I didn't know what it was either. I still don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I yeah, and I and I guess too, as we're kind of working through that particular uh, scenario, there's a difference too, right? In in forgiveness and reconciliation too. So she mm -hmm. forgave me, so I that that part was good. But it because there wasn't a conversation or whatever, we weren't moving toward reconciliation either. And so maybe that's part of the conversation as well. And I think that was like in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, I think one of the keys, you know, Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandel, I mean, these guys had to work through, it was important to name what had happened. Mm, yes. It was important, it, you know, in the Holocaust, it's important to name the injustice that was done, okay, the wrong. Yes. That was done. It's, and I think that's, I mean, very like large scale injustice, but I think it's, it epitomizes and helps us see that it's important when we're talking about forgiveness that we're clear about what was done wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. And and that one of the things that I wanted us to to kind of say out loud in this conversation and this I think that this is a really good place to talk about that is kind of the process of forgiveness. When we talk about what the process of forgiveness is, and I think naming it is obviously a really important place to start. And yesterday you highlighted, which I was so grateful that um, you're vulnerable about, you know, you, that you've spent time in therapy working through things. And um, so I'm just wondering, as you think about what the process of forgiveness looks like, are there other parts of that that you think are important for us to say out loud? Yeah. So I think, well, I think being part of a community that's willing to talk about forgiveness in a real clear way, um, is important that we're not doing this alone, that we see examples of other people forgiving and asking for forgiveness. And that helps us join in, um, mm. in that process. But I also want to say, you know, and I didn't, again, I, I talked, this was maybe in a first draft of the sermon. It just didn't fit in, but pe people might've wondered like, or if I was listening to the sermon yesterday, one of the questions I would have had was like, wow, dude, those girls in 10th grade must have really gotten under your skin because you're still worrying about it 20 years later. Well, here's, here's kind of the finer details of that. When you, bitterness, rage, anger, hate, unforgiveness, okay? These are what we might call vices. And virtues and vices are habits, okay? 
They're, they're a way that we've learned to act in the world. So when I was in 10th grade, harbor a little anger, a little bitterness, I get good at it. And guess what? It becomes better. I get better at it in future relationships. Right, right. You know, bitter at other women. You know, I hate women or whatever, you know, it might be. Or, um, and, and then that vice gets deeper and deeper and it becomes more of a habit. And I get better at being bitter, being angry, hating, unforgiving. And then eventually I have to go to therapy to undo all the knots that I've tied uh, and to try to become a gracious, forgiving person and build up a virtue, a new habit, you know, this, that replaces the vices. And I'm not perfect, but I'm, I've gotten a lot better than I was. Mm. Um, and, and virtues, by their very definition, lead to our flourishing. They're inherently good for us. Um, and they help us become more human. Um, who God has created us to be. And so I think that's what I think is important for people is that they see the process and they probably, for those of us that really wrestle with anger, unforgiveness, hate, we need somebody to help us, guide mm -hmm. us through kind of that minefield um, because very few of us can do it on our own. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. where I think like therapy, um, coming in to talk to a pastor, um, a wise friend, uh, can help us work through that. And just that verbal talking it out is part of the process of healing <laughs> and coming mm -hmm. to uh, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I would add with all the kind of that verbal talking it out too, that also like a commitment to uh, your prayer life and that, and being in the word too, that that's going to continually remind us and call us back to scripture as well. Yep. Yeah. Or to bring this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then one other thing I just want to say, it's not really a question so much as um, something I, Dan said about your sermon yesterday, I thought was really good and I hadn't thought about it, but you were talking about like the seven times and Jesus said, no, it's the 77 times. And it's kind of becomes this um, bigger, almost exaggerated number to prove a point. And, and Dan was saying, you know, their thing about the number seven is I can keep track of that. I can keep track of seven times. If I've mm -hmm. got a forgive you seven times i can keep count of that but once you get to 77 that's it's too big of a number you can't keep track anymore and so that's to your point that, that you took the whole sermon there that that's kind of yeah this idea that I, you can't even keep track it's yeah. that we're constantly being called to forgive over and over again and that um and we're not keeping track instead we're continuing to model grace and forgiveness and love to to our neighbors so that's really good yeah. that's really good and honestly and i again i didn't put this in because this is like a footnote, but the, in the Greek there, we're not sure if it's 70 times seven, because I think the NIV might have 70 times seven, or the mm -hmm. NRSV has 77 times, which is just kind of interesting how the ambiguity um, kind of works. Uh, in right. We're not sure, but back to your point, it's, we can't keep track of it. It's right. No right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Such a good sermon yesterday. Thank you for that word and and for a and it's i mean it just was a really good convicting word too and in our staff meeting this morning you heard we were people were saying just even their drive home from church that the way that they were reflecting and and hearing that particular call to forgiveness in their lives and just really important for calling us to be faithful disciples so i appreciate that uh do we have is there another we have another sunday in the sermon series yeah 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 so we're gonna jump uh this coming Sunday to the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew 19. And um, when Jesus speaks really like in a beautiful way about the children and uh, welcomes the, the kids unto him. 
Um, it's just this beautiful image, I think. And we're going to talk about what does it mean, um, you know, to take care of our children, to love our kids, um, even those that aren't ours, um, mm. but to be a community that is nurturing that next generation uh, for the future. Nice. nice. Which is very relevant it. for Roswell Presbyterian Church because we got a lot of kids. <laughs> kids everywhere. Now, will you be singing in this week's sermon? I'm just wanted to like prepare myself. Maybe I can hear you practicing. <laughs> I I don't want to make any I think we're probably we'll put the singing on the side you know kind of put that on the shelf for for a little while uh, you know I don't want to don't want to ruin anybody's ears too much <laughs> okay okay I don't want to miss an opportunity to to highlight for everybody August 14th when we will kick off our fall year we're doing a huge party after church that day there's going to be food trucks and um, music and all kinds of activities so we want everybody to to come hang out bring a friend bring your neighbor um, bring your whoever you just forgave most recently bring them all and um and we'll look forward to spending some time together on the 14th so thank you so much for this time jeff i i really appreciate it and appreciate your wisdom on this awesome Lindsay. thank you and appreciate you and your wisdom and uh going easy on me about phil collins <laughs> all right have a good day all right thanks you too bye-bye